1: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Extra Time, a web-only programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Stephen Houston. In the programme today, the Rugby World Cup pool play wraps up this weekend with the All Blacks playing Tonga. We also get to hear from some local Tongan fans. Is Catherine Latu's international netball career over? Greg Murphy talks to us about not being on the grid to contest the great race at Bathurst for the first time in over 20 years. We size up the Phoenix as they prepare to kick off another A-League football season. The Kiwis bring in six debutants for their Test Series against England. And boxer Kelly Meehan reflects on the murky underworld of professional boxing ahead of his bout against Joseph Parker. Rugby World Cup pool play wraps up this weekend with the All Blacks playing their final match against Tonga on Saturday. They've already qualified for the knockout phase of the tournament and will play the loser of the Ireland-France match in the quarter-finals. The team's relocated to Newcastle in preparation for the Tonga match, and they spent a morning engaging with fans at the rugby club that's hosted them. Alex Coogan-Reeves reports.
2: Local school children gave the All Blacks a familiar welcome at the Darlington Moden Park Rugby Club, where more than 5,000 turned out to see them run coaching drills with some young local players. It was clear the visit was a big occasion for the town, with the All Blacks plastered all over the local newspaper. The All Black halfback, Tawada Kerbalo, says it was a great reception with many more people attending than the club is used to for its home games every Saturday.
3: Their president said they get about 150 people usually, a cat and a goat you reckon? so uh, we always enjoy getting amongst the children, especially because we know they're some of our biggest fans and we, we were kids once as well, so it's a, it's a really good turnout.
2: While the All Blacks were relaxed around the fans, they are well aware their supporters back home are desperate to see a dominant performance against Tonga after a mixed start to the tournament. They yet to put out a complete performance on the field, but tomorrow's captain Kieran Reid says they're not trying to focus too much on that.
3: If things click certainly, you know, we'll be happy, but you know, we we know that there's structures in place that allow us to play well and there's, and there's certain things in our makeup, you know, of our skill sets that we have to really nail for it to, to come off and if they don't then you know perhaps it doesn't, you know, look as, as great as what, you know, perhaps we, we think it might. So we just got the there and play.
2: Tonga too have a lot to play for as they look to restore some pride in what's been a miserable tournament for the Pacific Island sides. The three island teams only have a win each going into the final weekend and while Fiji were unlucky to be drawn in the toughest pool, both Samoa and Tonga have performed below expectations. The Tongan captain, Nili Latu, says their losses to Georgia and Argentina have made for a disappointing campaign so far.
4: We came into this uh, World Cup uh, with different ideas and it hasn't really gone the way we wanted. uh, But you know we can still finish on a high note, uh, especially um, playing the Oblux uh, this Friday.
2: This weekend see some other big matches with Wales jostling with Australia to top the pool of death and Scotland trying to secure a place in the final eight with their match against Samoa. While the All Blacks management have had a good opportunity to look at other teams throughout the pool phase and assess who their main threats might be, the coach Steve Hansen says they can't read too much into the way teams have performed so far.
5: I don't think you can read too much into the pool play. you just got to say, right, oh, well, you know, Wales and, and Australia have achieved what they want. They've qualified. Um, New Zealand and Argentina have achieved what they want. They've qualified.
2: And, you know, when it gets next round is serious, isn't it? If you don't win, you go home. And not everyone's going to want. Steve Hansen says members of the team coaching staff will attend the match between France and Ireland in Cardiff. With the All Blacks likely to meet the losers in the quarter-final at Millennium Stadium next week. In Newcastle, Alex Coogan-Reeves.
1: Meanwhile, local Tongan rugby fans say that with a World Cup full of upsets so far, there's no reason why they can't beat the All Blacks. Lauren Baker went to meet some of the die-hard fans in Auckland.
6: With flags, face paints, cars beeping in support, and even a dog in a Tongan jacket, it's party time already in South Auckland's Otahuhu, ahead of the big game. Tapaita Tukia, who's also known as Big Mama and Auckland's biggest Tongan rugby fan, is confident. I don't think it's a toughie. I think they'll have a good match. But she can't decide which would mean more, just beating the All Blacks or reaching World Cup quarterfinals for the first time. Um, It's important for us to be in the quarterfinal or the semis or even the finals, even um beating the All Blacks. That'll be a world record to us. We want to just push the boys, play fair, play hard and go for gold. Well, we're here to support you. Another member of the party is Rob Nye. His cousin, 36-year-old Hale Tipole, is in the Tongan team, although went off injured against Argentina. Rob says he hopes the younger players get a start tomorrow. Hopefully the young blood
4: are going to be playing against the All Blacks. Win or lose, good game. That's all we need—just a good, happy game.
6: Meanwhile, this woman, who calls herself Little Mama, says there's no reason Tonga can't win, bearing in mind the tournament upsets so far. That's the thing about Tonga—it may be a small country, but we've got the heart. Who knows? Because this World Cup is so unpredictable. Look at South Africa and Japan—so anything can happen. We have faith in our Tongan team. Just a few metres away, also at Otahuhu's Murphy Park, about 20 young men are practising their rugby skills. Watching is former Tonga player turned coach and now the president of the New Zealand Tongan Rugby Football Association, Imosi Koloto. He says he doesn't think the Tongan team have fulfilled their potential or reached the form they had back in 2011.
3: They've got a lot of experienced players but um, this seems to lack a little bit of fitness and skills. Uh, you know, the speed of the game now is so much faster than than before and, you know, everybody's trying to copy the All Blacks and I think the game on Saturday is going to be a big challenge for the Tongan team.
6: But he says there's always a chance.
3: But you never know, you know. There's a couple of uh, upsets over the, the tournament, so he can never say never.
6: Although others, like Tapai Tukia, are far more optimistic. I say 23 All Blacks. <laughs> 100 Tonga. Professor, <laughs> yeah. Uh, 23 All Blacks and 26 Tonga. Taiwan. It's going to be a tight game. The game starts at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning.
1: Tonga will need to beat the All Blacks and earn a bonus point in the process, along with hoping that Argentina lose to Namibia if they are to reach the quarterfinals. Catherine Latu's once again been left out of the Silver Ferns, this time to play Australia in the Constellation Cup Series later this month. Latu was dropped from the team before the World Cup in Sydney, where New Zealand finished runners-up to Australia. With Maria Tutai taking extended leave from Netball New Zealand, a shooting position was vacant, but outgoing coach Waimarama Tamanu selected central pole shooter amelia Ann Wells. Wells, who was born and raised in Australia, but has New Zealand parents, has played three tests for the Silver Ferns, since her debut last year Matt Chatterton asked Waitamanu just how difficult the decision was between picking Latu and Wells
0: She was very close and um, very determined so for all of those reasons I think there certainly is hope and I'd be really hopeful that one of the younger goal shooters at the moment would be going out to goal attack long term so I have no doubt there's there's still a future for her in the game
3: You talked there about Amelia-Anne's skill set uh, a little bit over at Catherine's, could you just give us a bit of a run through of what she can do that Catherine perhaps can't?
0: Well, Catherine doesn't have experience of playing goal attack and at the moment we don't have um, a goal attack to replace Maria, so the starting point really is having adequate cover in that role. Um, Amelia-Anne is a good long range shooter, she uh, positionally plays a very strong goal attack game and she has experience of playing goal attack, so um, Catherine can play goal attack but is very limited experience, largely at club level.
3: Obviously, Amelia-Anne will be stoked with her uh, inclusion in the team. Catherine, not so much. I imagine you've talked to her. What was her reaction to not being named in the team?
0: Oh, I'm upset because she really wanted to be here, but um, actually understood that the way the group currently is um, comprised, that the need was for a goal attack, and that that is an area that she lacks experience when compared to
3: Amelia-Anne. The team is relatively unchanged. There's only one uh, with Maria because she's on her extended leave. Is this team the team you see is sort of developing forward over the next couple of years? Is this the team you sort of want to build on, I guess, or for the future coach to build on as well?
0: Um, that would be if I was staying on, probably, but I'm not. Um, and so, really, my view on this team is that. Whoever's going to take a future focus is the next coach and the best I can do really is try and build on the progress that we made at World Cup. Um, all of the incumbents turned up and they've done the work that they've been asked to. They played pretty well at World Championship. I felt quite strongly that I owed it to them to continue along the line that I'd started um, because they will be up for, uh, up for grabs in December when the new person arrives.
1: That's Silver Ferns coach Waitamanu talking to Matt Chatterton. For the first time in over 20 years, the New Zealand racing driver and four-time winner Greg Murphy won't be contesting the great race, the Bathurst 1000. Murphy hasn't competed in the V8 Supercar Championship this season, but he is back at Bathurst this year, having taken up a media role with the V8 Supercar Competition organisers. But he admits the excitement's missing. I spoke to Murphy about how he was dealing with not racing, his thoughts on this year's race including the all-female crew of Simona De Silvestro and Queensland driver Renee Gracie which has caused a stir among a few drivers with Ford driver David Reynolds fined $27,000 after making a derogatory sexist remark.
7: Been all year not driving a car and going to all the events and it hasn't been so bad but uh, I think it's, it's the, the history and the aura of Bathurst and just what it means and what it meant to me, you know, all the way through my career, and what it meant before I even started a racing career, and uh, now to be here and, and actually not uh, participating, being at every year uh, since the first time I ever came here, I've driven a race car. Um, you know, it's, it's sort of uh, it's taken away that, that, that feeling of excitement that I uh, used to have and and had every year up until you know um, last year.
1: Now the race this weekend i mean just your, your thoughts on how things might pan out can i mean given the nature of the race and the endurance event that it is i mean I know it's difficult talking about possible winners, but i mean the, yeah. the likes of uh, you know mark winterbottom sort of at the, at the top of the the tree at the moment isn't he? he he's a leading the or the leading contender do you think uh
7: i wouldn't I wouldn't say he's a, a, the leading contender by himself I would say that his teammate um is there as well and i and I still sort of tend to think that maybe the car six of uh, Chaz Moss and Cam Waters is um, is uh, a little bit more favourable to me than what uh, the Winterbottom car is. I think um, I think Chaz is in a really really good space um, and you know has has the ability, no doubt, has the car the same as Mark um, and has a bit of a, a role going. So I, I think uh, those guys are definitely very very hot property. But uh, we can over the years we we know by. Watching and looking at the results and seeing how the races have played out, that there's, um, there's many other contenders and lots of other combinations of drivers that are in very good positions and got a lot of confidence to be able to take this race out as well. And, you know, you don't have to look far past the 888 the car of Craig Lance and Steve Richards, uh, the one car of Jamie Wincup and Paul umbrella I mean, those guys are going to be fast. The HRT cars are looking uh, pretty pacey this weekend. Um, you know, it's, it's a long list. Shane Van Gisberg, look at the Kiwis. He's doing good. Fabian Coulthard set the fastest ever time around here yesterday, so he he holds the fastest two times in the record books ever um, around uh, Mount Panorama at the moment. I mean, and that's that's impressive. So he and you, uh, Luke Gilden are, uh, are also looking good. So you're going to have to be pretty brave, brave men and uh, or woman to um, to go and uh, uh, hedge your bets too far. But um, it's it's just one of those days on Sunday, thousand Ks, and the, the stories have been a plenty, and I'm sure we're going to get a few more.
1: Do the drivers ever get a feel? I mean, for for I mean, other drivers and maybe the the actual winner. But I mean, you, when it comes to Bathurst and given the hundred and sixty odd laps that you, you're doing there, there's obviously got to be a bit of luck involved. But is there anything else that, or or maybe what is the key other factor that 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 helps you get to the podium?
7: Oh, no question that you know um, having confidence in your tools that you've got, confidence in your team and And knowing that at the start of the race, you know, you've got the goods and you've got all the pieces of that puzzle that if everything goes smoothly and and your strategy and your plans play out the way they are, um, then, you know, you should be at the front or you should be somewhere near the front and and you've got the best chance or as good as anybody else to win it. Not everyone feels like that at the start of the race because, you know, the way these days, the practice days go and the way qualifying is going to roll out, Uh, later on and the way this top ten shootout rolls out, all those kinds of things still play a part. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, outright speed and being at the top of the timesheets and sessions um, is is awesome for your confidence and and great for, um, you know, when you put all those pieces together, knowing that you've actually got, um, you know, got the speed at the end of the day to do it. If If you haven't got the speed, you're struggling, you're uncomfortable with the car, it doesn't matter how, you know, how good all the other parts of the puzzle are. Um, if, if that, that single component is not quite right, then you really are going to struggle. and You're going to struggle mentally as well to, to be able to um, you know, put yourself in that zone to think that you can win the race. So there's, there's so many bits that have to go right. And you said, there's always a little bit of luck because timing, when I say luck, it's down to timing a little bit on safety cars and all sorts of things that are, are going to happen on Sunday. So it's, it's a difficult one. And I don't think anyone gets too carried away in getting too cocky about what's going to happen on Sunday.
1: All-female driving crew and uh, Simona De Silvestro and Rene Gracie, that's created uh, or caused uh, one or two comments from David Reynolds and Dick Johnson.
7: Those things get blown out of proportion big time, and I, and I feel sorry for David because he, he's just the way he is. He's is. He's, he's, he's a good guy. He's, he's a bit of a character. He's, you know, And unfortunately, the rest of his comments um, didn't get um, really mentioned. It was just one one throwaway line. Um, and you know he had said some really good things about the girls, their teammates. He's, he was really pleased with how they were going, all those kinds of stuff. And he makes one little throwaway tagline, and and um, you know it's it's, uh, it's world changing. So it's just disappointing, and that's um, unfortunately what the media does. You know, they focus on one thing, and he's been um, uh, you know given a big fine for it, and and he's regretting what he said. But he, he certainly did not mean anything by it. I think everyone else is blowing it uh, out of proportion. But um, you know these days of the political correctness, you know, um, that kind of stuff can't be said. And, you know, it was a silly thing to say, no doubt. It was stupid and he regrets it. But, you know, uh, I don't think we should be taking too much from it. And, you know, it's good to have the girls in there. I tell you, they're performing very, very well. I mean, Simona uh, uh, yesterday did a stellar job to the time that she did, considering she'd never been here before and the time she spent in the car. And, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what she can do over the next few days.
1: Do you think the V8 supercar... I suppose, environment is welcoming enough for women?
7: Yeah, I think it is. I do think it is. Um, it's it's just a tough game. It's a very, very tough game, and it is dominated by the male side of things, but, you know, it's, it's what do you do? You, you can't go and fabricate these things um, just for the sake of doing it. It's got to be done in the right the right way where, you know, where everything's uh, created for the opportunity to, to work for those that are going to do it, and and, and that's a really difficult thing to do. Money, the, the teams, all those kinds of things, building building what you need to build to create that success and, and give opportunity is a tough, tough thing to do. So it just, it does need what's happened um, this week for Bathurst, for those, the, the two girls. And that's the kind of support and things that, that can drive it forward and, and, um, you know, prove a point. So let's hope that does happen. I
1: was talking to four times Bathurst winner, Greg Murphy. The Wellington Phoenix kick off their A-League football season on Sunday when they host the Newcastle Jets. The two major questions hanging over the Phoenix side this year is can they step up a couple of notches and get past the first round of playoffs after their season petered out last time around? And just how will they cope with the departure of last season's A-League Player of the Year, Nathan Burns, who's now applying his trade in Japan? Just as he did with Burns, the Phoenix coach Ernie Merrick intends converting a midfielder into a striker with the signing of former Ajax of Amsterdam, player Geoffrey Sarpong. But much more will also be expected of current squad member Roy Krishna. Roy is capable of having a
8: big impact on the league. Yes, I do.
5: Because as, I, mean, I assume from the level that he's been
3: used to there's been an adjustment and he said to get used to the demands of this, of
8: this uh, level That's right, as always uh, the same for Troy Danaskis uh, and Justin Gully, training uh, full time it takes a while to adjust to, usually a season and then playing at top level with the pace and the speed of execution you have to have is, is something they have to adjust to it usually takes a season or so this is Roy's third pre-season that he's completed and he's looking really good. You'd be expecting
1: big things or demanding bigger things from him this year given he went so cold at that back end of last season.
8: Not just not just Roy. I think uh, all of us have got to take a step up and we've got to become more consistent. I, I remember in our first season we would win well and then we'd lose badly. It took us a while to get off the mark. The second season there was still a bit of that. You, you'd be, beat victory 3-2 and then concede four or five goals next week. We did have a really good run. We were three, four games in a row. We won consistently, and that got us to the top of the league. So it's all about consistency. What's
3: the best
8: Phoenix team you've had? Or... Uh, certainly the best Phoenix team I've had. I, I think there's some been been some really good Phoenix teams in the past that have done well. You don't feel as though you may be sort of taken two steps
1: forward, a step back, without going into the season with Nathan Burns. I mean, goal scoring you've made a big deal of. As opposed to defending
8: I think uh, that's coaching for you You never know Uh, You have a really good year And you're a bit wary of losing players And everyone loses players Milligan's away from victory Yanko's away from Sydney So what you're hoping for someone to step up and someone that's going to stay at the club for a longer period of time, and we've, we've signed players that are all uh, in their mid-twenties or much younger, so we're hoping that we can hold, a, keep a squad together, and we've done a good job, really, because Nathan was the only regular that played every week that we lost. Uh, Michael Box will only come in at the end when uh, Louis Fenton was injured, so, so we, we're hoping to build on uh, last season. If
0: you, you look at... Um
8: pre-season last year and pre-season this year. How do you feel the team is tracking? We had our players sign fairly early. With uh, The squad understand the structure and the system so we didn't spend a lot of time breaking down uh, our formation and playing system. We had a really good review as to you know, how we scored goals and how we conceded goals and how we can improve in both those areas again. And. Uh, and everything has been fairly smooth right from going over to Fiji and playing a couple of games in Fiji from there it's, we haven't had many injuries pre-season um, I feel as though it's been a, a good a good pre-season for us ready to take us into this first game. Una, you, know, you, you...
1: Last year was obviously talking about scoring more goals, and you didn't worry sort of too much defensively. Has
8: there been a bit of a change in approach there? Have you looked to tighten things up? I always worry about defensively <laughs> conceding goals, but we did have a great year scoring forty-five goals, and uh, yes, we, we've, we've tweaked a couple of things at the back and a slight change in the formation uh, in the back third, but. Our 4-3-3 system is a good system. It was just deciding on who has to go wide to pick up overlapping fullbacks. We think we've got that right, but it's never—you never, never really—you've not got it spot on until you're playing very intense league games. So you know, three or four games into the season, hopefully it'll get better. But you know, I feel as though we've improved our defensive structure.
1: That's Wellington Phoenix coach Ernie Merrick. The Kiwi side to play England in the United Kingdom next month has been named and includes six rookies and two new captains. The Warriors hooker Isaac Luke and Broncos forward Adam Blair have been given the co-captaincy duties, while Simon Mannering recovers from gastric problems which have ruled him out of the tour. The six newcomers in the touring squad are Warriors utility Tumalola Lola Haya, Broncos outside back Jordan Kahu, Roosters forward Isaac Liu, Bulldogs winger Curtis Rona, Bronco's Hooker Cody Nikorima and Rooster's forward CEO Sio, Siua Tokioho. There was no room for the veteran playmaker Benji Marshall, who's again been overlooked by the selectors. Matt chatted and spoke to Kiwi selector Taubara Nikau about the reasoning behind the selections.
5: Pretty tough uh, selection criteria and debate that we've had to, but I think one of the key things that the selectors over the last couple of years is um, we've really looked at uh, targeting some young guys that are coming through. One, we've uh, picked on form. Um, And that's been really, really important, but also um, the the opportunity, I suppose, and there's some key positions that these new rookies are filling uh, that really, um, you know, we want to fill now into the Four Nations next year and the World Cup after that. So although they're new rookies, uh, the key things about it, we know that they'll go really well within the culture of the team. Uh, the
3: Spawn's sort of lacking a few of those, you know, big playmakers like Sean and Kieran Fawn. Who are some of the players you will hope to see step into that position, those positions?
5: Well, we've got a couple of players that we've selected, Tui. Moala Lola here has been outstanding for the Warriors in, in the last couple of games. We see him as naturally one of those. Peter is another guy. You know, he's he's a guy that I really admire and, and love to see play because he's a footballer. He knows how to play football, whether it's lock forward, centre, winger, fullback. He's one of those guys that can actually get in there. He's got a really good footy head and you know, Steve's very, very confident that he can step in and fill that role. Um. Just talk about the captaincy a little bit. We've got uh, two
3: new captains, co captains. Could you run us through uh, the choices or the reasoning behind those choices?
5: Yeah, at the end of the day, I think one of the cool things that uh, you know, we went through and discussed, and Steve had the final say around that, was um, you know, the opportunity um, for those two guys uh, to have the experience, um, uh, they've matured. And say in the past they've had a few run-ins with referees and bits and pieces, but I think as you grow through that process, and we saw Adam Blair, you know, his form in the last four or five weeks of the NRL was uh, simply outstanding. Isaac Luke, you know, he's matured over the last couple of years. Um, Discipline has been an issue, but you know, with uh, responsibility uh, comes uh, you know a maturity. So for those two guys, it's uh, about stepping up, and um, you know, it's you know, it's a big responsibility to become the captain of New Zealand. And those guys I know are are very excited and um, they are aware of what their responsibilities are too.
3: In particular, Isaac. You know, you mentioned there he has had a few run-ins. Uh, how do you think he'll handle the, you know, responsibilities of talking to the referees and sort of keeping a cool head on the field? Because we, you know, we have seen him in the past. He does like to show his emotions. Yeah, he certainly does, and that's you know one
5: of the things that um, Steve will be talking to him about. But he knows the responsibility and the role. You know, he's one of those characters of the game, Isaac, is. Um, and just being, you know, he does have a good relationship with the referees. But I suppose in terms of this new role, it, it just gives him a bit more responsibility and being more aware. Of what's required for
3: them. There's, uh, I suppose, a lot of beef, you'd say, in that front uh, front row. There's quite a lot of uh, power, I suppose, you'd say, as well. Could you give us a bit of a run through of what sort of the um, uh, game plan, I suppose, you guys would be hoping to take to England?
5: Yeah, well, I suppose, you know, it's been no secret over the last couple of years we've won against Australia and England through the middle of the ruck with our forward pack. You know, it's been, um, you know, a good part of our game. And, you know, when you've got uh, three or four of the best front rowers running around in the NRL, you know, we Talking about, we don't have Jared Warrior Hargraves, who was outstanding. But you look at Sam Moore, you look at um, Jesse Bromwich, you, you look at the quality of their front rowers, Marty Tapau, who comes off the inter-trade, uh, Taki Ahau, another player. So we've got some really good players in the group, and um, you know our strengths um, have been through the middle of the park. So you know when you, you've got players like Roger Tuivasa-Sheck playing off forwards going forwards, to a lot of here running off the back of those guys, it really does give us a lot of confidence.
3: Just lastly, um, Stephen and yourself have talked a lot about you know growing this team and developing this uh, team for the future. What is sort of the goal for this tour then? Is it uh, you're going there to win all four matches, or are you hoping to you know just see some real development in those key areas?
5: Oh, I think the number one thing for us is we want to win. Every time we go out on that field, and um, you know, Steve's no different. We want to make sure that we go out there and perform to our best and win that game. You know, we're the number one in the world. We don't want to lose that mantle. Um, going up to England is, you know, it, you've got to play tough, you've got to play physical, and that's something that we're really looking forward to. And I think, you know, it's, it's a great opportunity for these younger guys to step up and show us what they're made of because um, it's not too often you get the opportunity to represent your country. And, but in saying that, we've picked some really good young guys that have the potential we know, uh, that are good young kids, and if we put them in a really good environment that's only going to make them better. So very excited and, and really looking forward to the tour. That's Tauranika talking
1: to Matt Chatterton. The New Zealand heavyweight boxer Joseph Parker fights veteran Kelly Meehan next week in his toughest professional challenge yet. The 45-year-old Meehan, who hails from Avondale, holds a 42-win, five-loss record. and He beat Shane Cameron late last year, Cameron hanging up his gloves after that bout. Meehan's had a long career, and he concedes his naivety cost him financially. He spoke to Joe Porter about his experiences in the murky underworld of heavyweight boxing.
4: It's a sport of kings, but it's run by gangsters, thugs and pimps. Well, that's why I'm still fighting now, 45 years of age. I mean, I should have... If if I had the right managers, if I had the right promoters early on, I would have fought for my world titles, you know, and and then fought again and made a lot of money and then come out of the sport. But it doesn't matter how much raw talent you have. If you haven't got the right team or the right promoter with you, you're not going to get seen because you're not bringing any money to the table.
1: How early was it into your career that you realised that it wasn't just going to be your performances that got you shots at titles?
4: I lived that late in my career. You know, I was just very naive and um, trust trustworthy, trust people too easily, and, you know, I just wanted to fight and, you know, didn't, didn't uh, really understand the business side of things. It was just. Yeah, like a lot of a lot of young kids from Oxford just trust too easy.
1: With your own experiences, and obviously your son, Willis, being, you know, having a lot of potential himself, do you have any reservations about him trying to follow that same path?
4: I tried, like, a lot of, you know, boxers with, with sons, try to deter them away from boxing, simply for that fact that it's, um, oh, it's a bastard game sometimes, you know what I mean? And I remember one time I said to him and his older brother, Lewis, you know, because he, he kept bugging me, want to be a boxer, want to be a boxer, he's like... So I said, okay, tomorrow, tomorrow I want you to, to go out in the bag, the punching bag in the garage, and I want you to do, you know, how many rounds of left, right, left, right, you know, continuously. I gave them a little routine to do the next day, you know. The next day I purposely, you know, jumped them in the car and went down to the supermarket and bought the most ice cream, heaps of ice cream for them, you know. And I we got home and then I, we all made those big mountainous ice creams each, as much you can put on the cone and, and set them eight ice creams. As soon as they finished... I said to them both, you know, don't, don't ever talk to me about boxing again because you have proven that you don't really want to be a fighter because I told you last night what you got to do with your training today and you instead wanted to eat the ice cream. <laughs> that was my little trick, you know, so this, this really got to him, you know, and like 10 minutes later you could just hear this bang, 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 you know. He's out in the garage hitting the bag ice cream all over his face, you know, so I thought, okay. I think this boy here really wants to be a fighter, you know. When was the first moment, I guess, where you
1: realised, or the first example you had firsthand of, of the underworld of boxing and the way that it works, the politics?
4: You know, I, I, that's what I was getting to before. I had, I think, 22 fights with no losses, you know, and um, I, um, I'd won the Australian title, I'd won all those regional titles, and then... I was working on a garbage truck, you know, running around, throwing the rubbish in. And then I got an offer to fight, uh, to spar with John Ruiz, who was then, I think he was the WBA champ or about to fight for the title then, to go spar him in uh, Boston. I said, yeah, let's go. So we went to Boston and I became his sparring partner for for fight he had coming up. so You know, I was doing really well with him, you know, in the gym. Every day, inspiring, and I was really happy with how it was going. And then his trainer, you know, he used to give me, he was giving me bonuses, uh, cash bonuses all the time. And then he even rang Don King, he said, man, you got to sign this. He called me the Aussie kid, you got to sign this Aussie kid up. You know, you got to sign him. We got to sign him. So, um, you know, they re- we came back, and then they, Don King, people rang up, said, you know, we want to sign you up. You know, here I am on the garbage truck. You know, I thought, wow, how good is this? So we flew there, and got to the airport, and you know, here's this guy standing with a. With a name card, call it me and you know. And come out, men met him, jumped in this massive limousine, you know, long stretch limousine and then they, they take you to the Hilton and what they purposely, they, I think it was purposely, they left me there for like, me and my little team there they left us there for like four or five days, you know. Oh, Mr. King is busy today, you will see you tomorrow but you just stay here and you know, anything, you just put it on the tab, you know, if you want a drink, you know, or if you want to eat, whatever, you know, so everything was free. So next thing they bring you into Don King's office and they offer you this contract and that's where I should have had the lawyer and the accountant, but you know, I'm thinking, man, this is better than the garbage truck. So I'm, I signed the contract, and then they told me tomorrow uh, someone will pick you up and they're going to take you to the uh, world class exclusive Don King training camp, you know, where you'll have top quality sparring. And I thought, wow, how good is this, you know? <laughs> Next day, we out, we're sitting outside the hotel waiting. Four days before, we got picked up in this beautiful limousine. I looked down the road, Here's just this old, old van, you know, just squeaking its way up the road. <laughs> and I knew, this van, this van's for us, you know. Anyway, and it was, and he picked us up and he just, First thing this old guy, he said, place where we're going ain't no Hilton, <laughs> that's what he said, you know, and he took us to this training camp in the middle, actually it was right on the edge of this, one of the worst ghettos in America, you know, you know, I've signed now, so it is what it is, so, but it was, it was I did have good sparring there, so we've done all the sparring and then I fought for the title, uh, I lost that on the split decision and you know, just answering your question, it wasn't until then you know, I fought Ruckman was an injury and lost that fight and got put to the back of the shelf. And I finally come back at that fight I was telling, you, uh, I think I told you about with DeVarro Williamson, who was then ranked number four in the world. And I got nine days notice and so I beat him. And then eventually I got, you know, to the number one position in the WBA. I got, I got number three and then I defended that regional title a few times. So I got, I ended up getting to number one and, um, uh, what's his name Maluev the the giant he was the, the the champion you know and I was so so confident to fight this guy I really had the plan like you know I thought I'll beat this guy and then um, I stayed there for two years at number one and never got the shot you know and that's when I really really come clear to me mate This the way this business is run is just so corrupt
1: do you feel ripped off at all I guess at any stage in your career that you didn't get the chances you would have liked to have got or you think oh, you deserved You got
4: for sure for sure I mean I, I look back now of what I've learned. And I think, beep, beep, beep. But what am I going to do? You know, sit here and get stressed and get cancer from it? No way. You know, like I said before, every day is a beautiful day. I'm blessed. I've got three healthy, strong, good sons. I've got a beautiful wife. Life goes on.
1: That's boxer Kelly Meehan, who will fight Joseph Parker next week. He was talking to Joe Porter. And that brings us to the end of Extra Time for another week. Remember, if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at sport at radioNZ.co.nz And you can get all the latest sports information on our website, radioNZ.co.nz. And don't forget, you can also follow us on Twitter at RNZ Sport. On behalf of the Extra Time team, I'm Stephen Hewson. Bye for now.
0: Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership.